Hello and welcome to the TV Arc on the Arc of E! Network. My name is Noah and this is our coverage of Here and Now, Season 1, Episode 5, entitled From Sunup to Sundown. Once again, I am late and uh, I guess I'm just going to stop apologizing for it at this point, but thank you to everyone who has stuck around and actually does look forward to these and who's followed our coverage and who's watching the show. And again, we're here, Episode 5, The First Fresh Critical Eyes, uh you know, outside of the first four that everybody was sent before the show started airing. I haven't looked into much of that critical response to see if maybe some people have turned a bit. Maybe we'll take a pause uh, a little later in the cast and I'll look up some of that. But in the meantime, let's just, let's get right into it. We'll start with our description from HBO. Fareed has trouble separating professional and personal perspectives after Ramon's recent incident. Kristen and Navid stumble on to potentially incriminating activity, and Duke and Carmen make a pledge over tea. Now, once again, doesn't cover a lot of, like, the big high points for the episode as far as I was concerned. And in my research today, when I was reviewing, because I watched it Sunday night, I haven't gotten around to talking to it until today. It's uh, currently, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. I'm going to try and get this up immediately after I finish recording it, so... This might be the least edited one, so forgive me if I ramble from time to time. But anyways, in my research, I realized HBO has these great in-depth synopsis on the website after the episode goes up, which literally go through almost scene by scene, and I was like, maybe I'll use that as a guideline. We'll experiment with that this time, see if it gives us a little more uh, a little more pace than I managed to do on the first two episodes, but uh yeah, so that's going to be my main guide. So we'll go through a little more chronologically than we usually do. We'll see how that goes for this episode. So we open uh, with Greg and Audrey. Uh, very nervous, Audrey in particular, outside of Shikrani's office where Ramon is, of course, meeting with Shikrani after the incident in the woods at uh, Ashley's daughter's birthday party in the previous episode. And... Uh, Things get heated. Uh, once again, the subject of marijuana comes up and whether he should stop this immediately. And uh, Ramon's not having it. And, of course, Fareed disagrees, even though we thought maybe he was uh, coming around on that perspective. Anyways, uh, things get heated. Their voices escalate. And Audrey decides, I'm, I'm going in, even though that's completely against, I assume, all sorts of therapist protocol, etc. Uh, Greg you know, calms her down, but it's definitely on her side. They get into an argument with Fareed, who is subscribing him basically like a low-level sedative, if I'm not, an antipsychotic, if I'm not mistaken. And Audrey accuses him of, okay, so now we're diagnosing him. Shikrani says no, of course, and is trying to take a, you know, a cautious approach as far as he's concerned, but Audrey and Greg are not having it. And of course, the subtext here of is that Greg is dealing with a lot of the same things, and this is going to kind of come out throughout the episode. And he still, of course, has not said anything to anybody about his own experiences with 11.11, and it's kind of killing me at this point. I'm like, you see Ramon suffering. Like, why haven't you guys had a conversation about it yet? Like, you could form some kinship there. But I hope that conversation is coming. Anyways, so Greg obviously has a huge stake in things because... It's almost like if I can if I can fix Ramon or figure out what's going on with him, then maybe I can tame what's going on with me. So, anyways, they leave in a huff. Not a not a great interaction, of course. 
this is, you know, the Shikranis and the boat rights coming into direct conflict. And as I've mentioned on the previous episode, I'm totally on board with Fareed, and that is still remains probably the most compelling element of the show to me. So seeing him in direct conflict with Greg and Audrey, who have also grown on me quite a bit in the last few episodes, uh, I, I didn't really know whose side I was on. I, I felt like Fareed was definitely being super professional and doing what he thought was right for Ramon. But obviously, uh, Audrey and Greg thought differently. So, more on that later, I'm sure. Okay, so shortly after the therapy session gone wrong, Ramon arrives home uh, to find that Henry is back, as if nothing happened, as if he didn't disappear in the middle of the night. Uh, Ramon's simultaneously very happy to see him and also very pissed off, uh, understandably so. But Henry, uh, his only real defense is I... I didn't grow up really with anybody caring about where I am, so I didn't think about it in the moment. And eventually he reveals that uh, he had a friend that relapsed and he had to leave in the middle of the night immediately because he was scared that the friend was going to hurt himself. So, And I did love the bit about, uh, well, why didn't you call me in the whole two days? And it's like, because I didn't have my cell phone and I don't remember your number. Because, of course, nobody remembers anybody's numbers these days, except for maybe a handful that you remembered in the in the pre-iPhone era. But anyways, um, I, I, I love that little bit. But they they seem to be doing okay. But there's, we're still questioning Henry's story a little bit. At least I was at this point. And definitely, maybe we should be. Maybe it's going to be a giant misunderstanding. I don't know. But obviously... Something is going on with Henry. More on that a little bit later in the episode. So, uh, we saw this in the uh, in the trailer for the next week on last week. Audrey on her computer searching for family therapist counseling. I'm not sure. Uh, somebody else to help Ramon's situation. Uh, comes across Famico for hot fun uh, and stumbles onto Greg's giant lie finally coming back to bite him in the ass. And of course, I speculated, are they going to make us wait? And I loved the tension of Audrey walking through most of the bulk of this episode with that knowledge uh, in the back of her head. I thought Holly Hunter destroyed this episode. And I, yeah, I, their conflict, uh, which I can't wait to get to, but we'll, we'll save it because it was definitely the highlight for me. Anyway, so she she finds the messages, she finds everything. She leaves uh, Greg a voicemail and says, you know, to call her back. And yeah. <laughs> so uh, shortly thereafter, she goes out on a run with Duke. Uh, she delayed this so she could do some research. And of course, so yeah, she's immediately in the situation running through all of this in her head. And she decides to focus on uh, Ramon as she seems to focus all of her stress and energy and anxiety. And Duke is like, you know, I think him using marijuana is not the, not the issue. They get into a bit of a tiff, but he, uh, in typical Duke fashion, manages to uh, inspire her to go ahead and go ahead and run. Go ahead and run. So they go for a nice run. Shortly thereafter, Audrey meets up with Steve Benjamin, who we heard mentioned before. Of course, there was some sexual tension in the past. We're curious how that might develop. And of course, she's walking into this conversation with the knowledge about Greg. So that is 
hanging over everything, but it doesn't go in that direction. And I, I was surprised that, that we didn't get more of that, but it would have seemed very obvious. And also what might be very obvious is if they do eventually hook up in some sort of revenge fashion, I don't know. I don't know if that is in keeping with Audrey's character, but I don't know if this is going to be one of those, uh, again, very Ruth Fisher-esque moments of revelation where it's like, what, what is my life at this point? I, there was, you know, was I lying to myself? Was I being lied to? So, so many different things at play. But anyways, what they do set up is that she is going to come back and present more on her empathy initiative and everything to get grant money from the people who signed the checks for uh, Steve Benjamin's company. I will quickly point out, I loved the uh, the set design in here. I don't know if this is a pre-existing office building, if they built the set, I don't know what, but the uh, interlocking wood beams and the you know arched ceiling in his office, I, I thought it was awesome. It's really cool. One of the coolest visual touches uh, thus far, just in terms of production design. But again, I don't know if they filmed it on location. Uh, Muhammad, if you're listening, uh, let me know if you know that, by the way. Just curious. So, um, moving right along. Uh, Duke goes over to Ramones just to check in on him. And they have a conversation about their respective birth mothers. And obviously, Ramon thinks that there might be something buried from his past, given the vision from the previous episode. And we get more of Duke's visions, which were teased in episode two, I believe, of uh, his mother, who was a prostitute. And anyways, we, uh, we move on from there to Duke's uh, dinner with Carmen who texts him in the midst of the conversation with Ramon. So they go out. He very quickly, uh, very upfront, puts it on Front Street, as they say, uh, that he's celibate and that this is not going to go anywhere. And she's a bit caught off guard, but then is kind of like totally on board because she says she just got out of a very stressful relationship. And so maybe she's not looking for that necessarily. So as they say, here's to not fucking. Anyways, let's talk about Ashley for a bit. Uh, she is taking Haley into school, and Haley's teacher introduces her to Jamila, the mother of Haley's new cubby buddy. And there's, of course, the awkward interaction where she's like, I, I knew you two would get along like you need to meet because they're both black. Uh, you know, again, completely racially insensitive and stereotypical, all, all of those things. And again, not not very subtle, and of course they continue to talk about it throughout the episode, but it does spawn a lot of interesting conversation as far as I was concerned. Uh, Ashley has a lunch meeting with Greg, and she talks a little bit about her identity issues with growing up the way that she did, raised by two white parents, and how uh, we get into a little bit later with her husband that he is completely blind to the fact that it's like, your parents are white like what's the big deal and can't even wrap his head around how that would affect her and in the conversation with greg he points out where well, we always tried to um, get you more in touch with iberian culture etc cetera, etc cetera. and ashley's just like nobody here thinks i'm from iberia like you know i've just seen as a black Amer african-american woman period and all of the baggage that comes with that. And Greg is, you know, 
kind of dumbfounded by it a little bit. And that seems to be key with both him and Audrey is that they've never really properly addressed what their, you know, exper- grand experiment, as Greg referred to it in the first episode, how that has affected the children that they raised. And I've, I want to see more of that conflict. I That's basically what I was sold on this show being from the get-go. And I feel like it's taken a bit to get there. And some of it, it's stumbled a bit. Uh, some of it's been very heavy-handed. But this this was going down a good road. So I've, I'm reinvigorated. And probably more so than any of the siblings at this point. I had said, you know, Kristen's story, I can take her, kind of take her leave. That changed a bit this episode. We'll get into her scenes with Naveed. And also Ashley now, which I continue, I I refuse to say his name. It's still Ashley's husband. My least favorite character on the show, uh, both in the way that he's written and the performance. Uh, I'm not even going to call out the actor because I'm not trying to be mean here. And I think part of it, I want to know whether we're supposed to like him at all. Because at this point, he's somebody who I need to see a a little bit bit more shades from before I could say that like oh I understand that guy because for right now I just every scene every line out of his mouth pretty much is just cringeworthy for me I I do not like Ashley's husband as a character I just I want to go on record as saying that and that continues later when uh they have the uh they have Jamila and her husband over for dinner and Lots of awkward, awkward tension ensues. And once again, Ashley's husband completely oblivious to just how certain things sound and how you present yourself to people and, you know, the sensitivity that Ashley might have around some of these issues just completely uh, head in the clouds. I, I don't know what's up with this dude. I really, really don't get it. So uh, back over to Greg for a bit. He has what I thought was a pretty funny uh, faculty meeting where it comes into question this, you know, kind of semi-erratic behavior at the conference that he attended where he showed up after spending the night in the woods uh, and just his general demeanor where he's like, what are we, what are we doing here at this point? You know, philosophy is dead. Like we have no new philosophers, like very interesting speech, which gets no play in this room uh, of old stodgy white men. Uh, which Greg is kind of a part of at this point, but uh, obviously the dissenting voice. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, very, very telling line. I, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I loved the uh, things that were amusing in your 20s are just uh, just sad now. I forget what he said. Uh, or embarrassing at 60. Anyways, Greg, not a big hit at school right now. So... Uh, Naveed and Kristen, let's uh, let's transition over to that. So they're working on their My Portland video project, and uh, they go to a, a local square where apparently a lot of people are filming, and they decide to to bail. Eventually, they uh, they come across Henry uh, out and about and decide to follow him. They follow him to a homeless shelter. Uh, he goes into a tent with a gentleman for about two hours, and uh, there's a lot of talk about hoboning. Didn't know that was a thing. Might be an invention of the show. Made me chuckle. And uh, just the the current teen sex lives and, and goings on. So, again, I'm, I'm liking Kristen and Naveed's relationship more and more. I'm still interested to see if um, 
her maybe feeling like they're getting like more and more close is going to come to a head if she lets the the info about the uh, gender fluid side of things go. So I I still think that it might be very very heart wrenching to see, but I'm enjoying them for right now. Kind of kid detectives in this episode, uh, dirty kid detectives, uh, but fun conversation. Curious what's going on with Henry. Don't know if it's a giant misunderstanding. Don't know if this is the friend that uh, was potentially going to relapse that he's now visiting. I I don't know. And we get teased a little bit later in the episode with uh, the fact that Henry's from Waco, Texas, has no desire to go back there. Very, again, mysterious figure. I, I was questioning around episode one and two, like, what what's this guy's deal? Obviously, more to him than meets the eye. And curious to see how all of that plays into what's going on with Ramon, of course. So, uh, back to Shakrani uh, for a chunk of the episode. At home, uh, he basically has a great, what some people might just see as pure exposition, but a great summation of all of the 11-11 coincidences, all of the tie-ins with the parallels between what's going on with him and Ramon, Ramon's dreams, Ramon's game, all of it, lays it out for Layla, who is just not hearing it. And this is the first mention we get of, are you taking your pills? Are you are you on your medication? Because, you know, Naveed doesn't know. We don't get it spelled out exactly what's going on with it, but Layla says, you know, you can't fly off the handle. He can't see that side of you. And so we get, of course, that the therapist isn't therapist or isn't the therapist is in therapy rather, excuse me, and more, more depth to Shikrani. And I, again, I want more. I'm so curious where they're going with the connected dreamscape of these individuals. I want to know how Greg plays into it. I want it to come together and I hope it does within season one. I hope this is not something that is continually teased. Again, I don't know if we're getting a season two. I think it's still up in the air. But I would like to have a somewhat closed narrative on what what does that all mean. And it doesn't have to be directly spelled out for me, but it's one of those things that if there is not somewhat of a payoff to it by the time we hit episode 10, I'm, I'm going to have issues, <laughs> possibly. Well, it's all in how it's done, of course. But uh, So, apparently, and I, I apologize if I missed this, in the episode description here I'm saying, that evening, Shikrani's pills appear to lay out in the form of 1111, and he tosses them into the toilet. I don't know if I was fading towards the end of this episode because I vividly remember the conversation between Greg and Audrey, which we're about to get to, but uh, I need to go back and check that scene and probably just rewatch this episode in general because, again, I talked about in episode four, I feel like there's a lot of subtle things that have, are being built up and are there if you're looking for them. So that's obviously something I completely missed. So again, his pills apparently laid out in the form of 11, and he tosses them into the toilet. So let, let's just, let's get into it. Greg arrives back home, ready to be blindsided by Audrey, who is loaded for bear with all of the emails printed out, all the conversations between Greg and Fumiko, and uh, oh my god, I, I was waiting for the fireworks, and they definitely, definitely came. I thought this was an extremely well-written and acted scene. Uh, 
I, it was the first, uh, coming out of, you know, coming off of the couch moment I've had watching this show, which is, uh, when after Audrey has forced Greg to read a line from one of the emails, she, (laughs) she says, I think it's the most compelling or the best thing you've written in years. I, I forget, but I thought that the the delivery, everything about that was just like cut to the bone. The exact kind of thing that like you only pull out on somebody who you know and have known for years because you know it will just cut to the core of them. I thought that was such a brilliant takedown of Greg and just ice cold delivery from Holly Hunter. I thought she was brilliant in this scene. And, you know, Tim Robbins playing, you know, Greg floundering but also not not directly lying, you know, not trying to immediately make up a story in the moment. Uh, it's definitely not a, a Don Draper uh, Mad Men season two, I believe, moment, or season three. But I, I thought they both just absolutely destroyed this scene. And, of course, we cut over to Kristen, who's overhearing this fight, and we're wondering, like, is this a regular occurrence or not? Because she seems zoned out to it at first, but then she does hear what is Greg being banished from the house, essentially. And uh, simultaneously, we have, uh, again, there's been a handful of awesome music cues. This one may be the most impressive so far for me. Uh, If you've never heard the Langley School Music Project's album, uh, Innocence and Despair, these are recordings from, I believe it was a Canadian music teacher, and it was a bunch of kids from British Columbia in the mid to late 70s recording pop hits of the day. And it was recorded in a gym. Some of them are super haunting. Uh, if you've ever seen the original trailer for the movie Catfish, they used uh, good vibrations perfectly in that one. Uh, but here we have Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite bands of all time but covered by the Langley School Music Project, and it's it's haunting and creepy in all the right ways. You heard it at the head of this episode. You're going to hear it as we roll out, of course, but definitely set the mood, and again, Audrey kicks Greg out of the house, and she's left, you know, in the living room by herself, standing uh, contemplatively, and we, we cut to credits, and we're also left wondering, you know, what does Krista make of all this? Does she know what's going on? And, yeah, so... Very intense emotional episode, or, you know, outro at least, and I'm interested to see where we're going to go from here, how the children are going to respond, of course, and if there's going to be kind of lines drawn in the sand. I don't know if this is a thing that they're going to come back from necessarily. I think it could be more interesting if they don't, and they have to navigate the... uh, complicated web of this now fractured multicultural and generational family so uh i'm i'm again fully on board i'm i'm liking all of the characters more and more understanding them more and i i'm i'm here guys i am here till the end thank you for sticking with me through this episode again apologies for not having it up sooner I'll see what I can do about getting episode six to you more promptly, people. But again, thank you for anybody who's listened thus far. If you have any feedback on this episode 
or future episodes, any speculation, hit me up, thearcofe at gmail.com. You can also follow everything from The Arc of E uh, at The Arc of E Network on Instagram and at The Arc of E on Twitter and Facebook, respectively. So follow us, listen, rate, review, subscribe to all the podcasts. We've got some new movie arc stuff coming up very soon. There is a great uh, music arc episode as well, 80s Britpop. I think I talked about it on the previous episode. It's been doing very well for us, so uh, go check that out. And there will be a new episode of Lost in the Folds uh, for Mr. Sunshine Mayfield and Max Gongaware, uh, what is officially the most popular show in the music arc feed. Just wanted to give a shout-out to them. And also a shout-out to one of our superstar listeners here, uh, Christina, uh, who has been a supporter from the beginning. Uh, she's always involved in our trivia contest. She's a subscriber. She listens early. Uh, she's given us ideas for podcasts in the past, but it is her birthday tomorrow, uh, St. Patrick's Day. So happy birthday, Christina. Thank you for all the support thus far, and uh, thank you for being our, our reigning trivia champion uh, here at the Arc of E. So that's, uh, that's all the official business uh, on the tail end of this episode. So with that, I will just say that I have been Noah, and this has been the TV Arcs coverage of Here and Now, Season 1, Episode 5, From Sun Up to Sundown. And we'll be back next week with Episode 6, people, hopefully a little more early. And until then, remember, live in the here and now. Mm-hmm.